Hi, this is Bob Bergen, and you're listening to E to the E to the E to the TV Confidential, folks. Kid! Are you in need of Thank you, but I don't need any help. Proceed. Good afternoon. Let's skip to the end. Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television that for this week is a radio talk show about Ed Asner. Jeffrey Mark will join us later on the hour. Jeff produced an acclaimed documentary about the Mary Tyler Moore show for E! Entertainment Television that not only introduced him to Ed Asner, but as a result of that experience, Jeff experienced a great example of Ed's generosity of spirit. That's coming up later on the program. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us for an Ed Asner-centric edition of our DVD and streaming report. Of course, both the Mary Tyler Moore Show and Lou Grant are available on physical home video as well as streaming on demand. But Greg has several other Ed Asner titles that you'll recommend, including one or two that no one else will think of. Well, I think it's unlikely that there were any headlines that said, Edward Asner, voice of granny goodness passes away. He was the voice of Granny Goodness. Well, I'm not aware of Granny Goodness. I am aware that Ed did a lot of voice work, particularly during what he would call his fallow period. You know, it's funny. The voice acting business is one man's Broadway and Oscar-winning, Emmy-winning stardom, and one man's I wish I was the voice of Popeye as another man's, God, i got to be the voice of Popeye. It's all relative. And to some of us who grew up hearing him on Gargoyles, Gargoyles has an enormous amount of a following. And he was one of the Gargoyles. He was the voice of Hudson on there. And there are people still wondering where is the reboot of Gargoyles because it was a it was a Disney made for television series that was done in the sort of dark feeling of what Warner was doing with Batman and Superman the animated series and it was an outstanding show and as a great actor regardless of what perhaps the perceived level of the work was he gave it no less of his acting skill. He was a really, really good voice actor, whether he was playing, you know, he, he was on, <laughs> no matter what the sh- what the thing was. I mean, he was in two of Filmation's last features, and I'm not going to say they were their finest work. I love Journey Back to Oz, but that was their first feature, um, and it was made over a course of years, and I thought it was a lovely film for a Filmation feature however pinocchio and the emperor of the night and happily ever after not so much they had their moments as as many do that's big stars in them uh, carol channing actually told me that she played one of the dwarf elves that they were female dwarfs in happily ever after and she didn't like how they made her character as she said and i quote ugly so it wasn't exactly a prestigious film but he was in that so he, he did do what he was given. However, he did some wonderful things. He played uh, Joshua 
in the Hanna-Barbera series, The Greatest Adventure Stories from the Bible, which was one of Joe Barbera's prize animated projects. He spent 17 years trying to get that on the air. Networks didn't want to touch it because the Bible has a lot of stuff that the networks won't touch. It has a lot of themes that are not appropriate uh, for TV, uh, especially animation. So that was syndicated, and it also was sold as videos, and it did extremely well. But that was a pet project of his. He also played Santa in animation a lot uh, in a uh, in the story of Santa Claus. Uh, in a uh, they did an animated version of Elf with stop motion, where he was also Santa in that. And a wonderful special that we never talked about um, called Olive the Other Reindeer which was also a book and all of the other reindeer starred the voice of drew barrymore and if you ever get a chance to see it it's very very unique the character design is very odd and it's done with that i believe computer generated but sort of paper cutout looking thing that that they do with south park and it was the brainchild of one of david letterman's writers steve young and it's about uh, Olive, the other reindeer, who thinks she's a reindeer, but she gets the lyrics wrong. All of the other reindeers. Yeah, O L O L I V E. O L I V E. And and Santa is at Asner and that, and it's a sweet little half hour special. So there's a there's a lot. He was on Captain Planet and the Planeteers. He was hoggish, greedy. He was on the ill-fated Fish Police, one of those. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was a, that was a winner. That was an attempt to get into prime time before you know, whenever that back in the second wave of we got to get in the prime time. Uh, so he was that, in that was some with, stuff that, that was within I think three or four years of The Simpsons when uh, The yeah. Simpsons first he- uh, took off. And as is often the case in network television, all, all of a sudden the networks, the other three networks were looking for some sort of hip adult animated series that would appeal to adults and kids. Yes, but there were several things that went against it. One is that the networks weren't constructed to nurture an animated series the way Fox was. You know, Simpsons had a lot going for it. It was a fledgling network that needed a show. And just like ABC was when the Flintstones was on, you know, if CBS or NBC had them, they probably would have canceled it uh, within a season. But ABC kind of needed it. Plus, it was a great show and it was a groundbreaking show. Simpsons was sort of a flagship for Fox. And it also had powerhouse people behind it. It had Alan Burns, James L. Brooks. So it had great writing. It had a great cast, but it also was sustained. It was a big hit, but it was also sustained because uh, animation is expensive by a network that wanted it to stay on, whereas Fish Police wasn't any good. But even if it had possibilities, it's so expensive that networks and sponsors don't ever give these capital critters to. They don't give these shows much of a chance. Well, as we've said before, if you're going to be a producer in television, to the extent you can, you're better off making a deal with the cable network versus a broadcast network because even though broadcast network still has the prestige and still potentially reaches that many more eyeballs, the one benefit of 
producing something for a digital platform or cable platform or streaming platform is if you make 13, they will air 13. Whereas if if you make a deal with any of the broadcast networks, if you make 13, there's no guarantee all 13 will air the light of day because they have a different mechanism and they, and they go into panic mode a lot sooner. Yes. Yes. They do, and they've got all those pressures of networks, and because the shows are, they're beholden to a whole lot more. They have a whole lot more pressures, and there's a lot more hands involved in the, in the production. Which is why nobody remembers Fish Police because it was pulled after three or four broadcasts, as I recall. And and you also don't know if Fish Police might have been better before all those hands got involved with it, and maybe it was funnier before it was oh, we can't do this, we can't do that, and that kind of thing. And if The Simpsons was on CBS or NBC, maybe that wouldn't have been as funny either. You know, I mean, you just never know what the story is. But anyway, I mentioned Granny Goodness. That was a a villainous uh, character who ran an evil orphanage uh, on Superman, the animated series. He was on two Spider-Man series. Uh, On one, he played... uh, Peter Parker's Uncle Ben, and another one he played Jay Jonah Jameson. Yeah, and as Jay, a, as Jonah Jay, Jameson. Jay Jonah Jameson. As a matter of fact, we have a quote from our mutual friend Bob Bergen. Bob Bergen, the voice of Porky Pig. Bob Bergen um, writes, I had the pleasure of first meeting Mr. Asner in the late 1970s as we were both invited to a mutual friend's house to break the Yom Kippur fast. I was about 15 or so. We had an amazing conversation on the craft of acting, Ed's commitment, and how the word no is the most empowering word in an actor's vocabulary. I later got to work with Ed, or Mr. Rasner, as Bob puts it, uh, a few times on cartoons, most memorably on Spider-Man, the animated series, which Greg just mentioned, watching Asner play J. Jonah Jameson was a master class in acting. He happened to sound like Lou Grant, but Asner brought layer and character that was pure J. Jonah Jameson. Although I got to work on the film Up, Ed and I never had recording sessions together, but I was later able to get some chat time with him to discuss his charming performance in this film. He had a great life and a great career. That's our mutual friend, Bob Bergen, that quote courtesy of our other mutual friend, Harlan Bull. Oh, that's beautiful. Greg Arabar is with us as part of our special tribute to Ed Asner. Greg is talking about some of Ed Asner's many, many, many credits as a voice actor in movies and on television. Ed Asner passed away Sunday, August 29th at age 91. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. You know, and Bob, having been mentored by some of the greats as well, you know, Mel Blanc and, and, and Dawes Butler often would, would say that it's more than just doing a funny voice. It's it's full-out full acting. And Ed Asner was one of those performers who even though he was well known and you would say well you know they would some people and sometimes it's true sometimes they'll use a celebrity as a voice especially in a feature for business reasons one is that you can you can have them on a talk show you can market them they they have a certain amount of pull an adult will say oh look 
Brad Pitt's in that. But Brad Pitt as a voice is a guy who sounds like a guy, but not necessarily, it's not somebody as distinctive. But there are actors like uh, Tom Hanks and um, Tim Allen in Toy Story uh, or Ed Asner, who they are famous, but they also bring an awful lot to doing a voice. Um, and then there are some actors who don't know how to bring that to voice acting. It's it, it, They don't understand it's a different kind of acting. And Ed Asner in Up was riveting. In fact, one critic actually said, I wish there was a category in the Academy Awards for voice acting. It's too bad that there isn't an Emmy. Well, there there is an Emmy now for daytime. I think June Foray pushed for that, for voice acting. The Asifa uh, Hollywood, which is something that actually June Foray helped found. It's an international animation society, but they have the Annie Awards. They have a category for it, but um, the Oscars do not. Uh, it was enough that the Oscars didn't even recognize animated films, uh, which Up won the Oscar for. But And I believe Up was one of the few animated films that also was up for Best Picture. That's how good it was. There, there was an intensely great performance from him so it was like it didn't matter if it was a, quote, cartoon. He still gave it everything. It didn't matter if necessarily, well, I'm this isn't the thing I would rather do. He still gave it everything. And that's that's a message that and this is why he all you look at his credits and they they just go on forever, is that he had more of the journeyman actor because that's what he was originally more of the British actor, I'll do stage, I'll do whatever, I'll do some stuff that's great, I'll do some stuff that may not be, but I will be acting. That sort of mindset, I am an actor, and this is what I do, and I do it for the sheer craft and love of it, then the I don't do that sort of thing. One of the things I admired, besides a lot of his animation work, and of course his stuff on screen, was his incredible readings of books and and you and donna and um, tony can attest to that because that's the business that you guys are in it's a very very difficult thing to read a whole book and you can tell when you hear someone who doesn't know how to do it um, how hard it is because you get monotone and read every sentence the same and a great book reading for example jim dale's reading of the harry potter books where he sustains different voices for each character in every single book ed asner could do that edward harriman could do that there are a handful of actors who are superb at it and when you saw his name on a book on on a cd or a, you know a download that meant high quality that was a real performance. Greg Airbar is with us as we continue our tribute to the life and career of Ed Asner. Greg is singling out performances of Ed on media that you may not think of right off the bat, uh, including his work, his vast body of work in animated series and animated movies uh, besides Up. <laughs> <laughs> or as as well as Ed's vast body of work in other sorts of audio recordings, such as books on tape. Well, they're not called books on tape anymore. They're called audio books because, because they're not available on tape anymore. They're available 
uh, both digitally as well as in physical media. Ed Asner passed away Sunday, August 29th at the age of 91. We have another quote from a mutual colleague. Well, he's a mutual colleague for me. He's a mutual friend for you. Uh, Mr. Leonard Malton, Edward Asner, toiled for years on stage, radio, and television without recognition before the Mary Tyler Moore show made him a household name. He rode that way for decades to follow, never failing to deliver first-rate performances in both comedy and drama. Clearly, Asner loved to act, and just as clearly, he cared about his fellow actors. That is from Leonard Malton, also courtesy of our friend Harlan Bull. He didn't forget... This happens too sometimes, uh, and, and in other walks of life, not just acting. There are people who go through the struggle of reaching some level of success in any level. It doesn't matter if it's the tippy top or just wherever you land, who never forget and, and bring that to how they care for those who are also struggling and the compassion and help they bring. And then there are those who forget and aren't cognizant of it and sometimes mistreat the people the way they were mistreated. It's funny how there's like those two kinds of people. Ed Asner was the first kind. He never forgot what it was like in the struggle. In fact, I remember him saying in one interview, and it may have been your interview, where right before the Mary Tyler Moore show, and, and if you look at the IMDb, it kind of uh, holds it up. He didn't have a ton of work. He had some, but it was pretty sporadic. And you figure the expenses of living, having a family and all of that, it wasn't as thick. And so the Mary Tyler Moore show came just in time for him. And even then it was not a for sure thing. Um, And so when it happened, it happened at just the right time in his career. And he didn't take it for granted. He didn't take it for Lou Grandin. (laughs) He knew that it, (laughs) he knew that it was something. And he also knew, which as a young actor, he might not have known because a lot of young actors you can see don't always know that any minute now it could go away. You know, the show could be canceled. Uh, he could be right back where he was. So it, he valued that. And he also, because of his work with SAG and all, it always reflected in his commitment to things. He was, he was very intensely fighting for any number of things. Uh, but, but he was very... And he he was committed to things. Uh, So good, bad, or indifferent, how people thought about that, they they certainly respected his dedication to what he believed in. And one of the things I admired was when he won the Emmy for Roots, he didn't talk about himself at all and thank his agent and all this stuff and say anything about you know, and here's a person who had a reputation for being highly politicized and stuff. He didn't do that. Instead, he spent all the time talking about what an outstanding performance Ralph Waite gave in Roots, who played the person right alongside him, who had been the long-suffering uh, uh, shipboard. I think he was like the first mate. And he was giving Ed Asner's character the tour of the horrendous conditions of this ship. And uh, Ed Asner's character was doing the reactions to that. And Ralph Waite was always an outstanding actor. And he certainly got acclaim for being on the Waltons, but he was very good in Roots. And I thought, you don't see that often. You don't see a performer 
using that time for somebody else. Uh, I thought, and I know he'd won a lot. He certainly won. They say he won more than most, but usually it's it's a there's so many moments, and you use it for whatever. And I just I just thought that was very admirable. Yeah, and I understand that was not uncharacteristic of him on at least one other occasion. It may have been his second Emmy Award for Mary Tyler Moore. He spent his time thanking Susan Silver, the writer of the episode for which he won that second Emmy. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice thing to do. That's a really nice thing to do because as a writer, sometimes you feel like you don't always get remembered for you giving them the words. And then there are those who don't want to acknowledge the fact that there is a writer that wrote it. I mean, historically, there have been some performers and comedians that don't say they have them. You may have this classic comedian who did this routine that you always loved and don't realize that, you know, it's commonly known that there are writers who write for stand-ups and sometimes they write their own, mm-hmm. but they also have, that's how a lot of people get started as writers selling jokes to, to comedians. So it's, it's, you know, there are writers out there. So it's very nice of him to do that. Again, it didn't, he didn't have to. So that's very, very nice. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. 